What if、mm-hmm. that doctor become disabled and no longer can speak or no longer can move, and he's now disabled until 65? That potentially millions of dollars. So that doctor would have paid 20 grand a year, and had that doctor been disabled for one year, just one year alone, he would have had 300,000 back in his pocket. Yeah, and that's assuming it only took one year. What if、mm-hmm. that doctor become disabled and no longer can speak or no longer can move, and he's now disabled until 65? Yeah, like mental health is definitely taking a a big part in the、um, you know conversations now. You know, in, in terms of like how that would be work because you're right. Like most people would think like an, as a physical disability, yeah, obviously that makes sense. You can picture that,、uh, but there's many many other reasons why people might be able to go on disability now. How's my financial health, Doc? Welcome to the Financial Literacy Podcast for healthcare professionals, where financial security and wealth topics are not a taboo. Good morning, everybody, and、uh, welcome back to How Is My Financial Health, Doc podcast. And I've got my good friend Saad Nadim back with me today. So the last time I was on Sad's podcast,、uh, and it took three years, and I said, "Sad, let's not make this three years." When we're now maybe a month since、mm-hmm. our last discussion, so I kept my my part of the bargain. I did not wait <laughs> three years, and we're back today with Sad. Good morning. How are you? I'm doing well, Boo. Thank you for having me here. Very good. You know, it's、uh, <laughs> early Monday morning. And、uh, so I really, I'm really appreciative of you coming on here with me today. I I'm sure you have a busy day, so this is a good time for us to record before your day starts. No, it's perfect. The kids are sleeping. Nobody's going to be bugging us, and、uh, we can lay down some wisdom <laughs> on a Monday morning. Perfect, perfect. So listen, you're a certified financial planner. You help people do financial planning, and Part of that job, part of that work, is looking at you know mitigation, risk mitigation, risk management. I think it's very important for、uh, physicians and healthcare professionals to understand risk mitigation, especially when it comes to health and their own personal health. I mean, at the end of the day, we're nurses and doctors. We should be paying attention to this, and、um, and you help your clients pay attention to this. What we're going to be talking today is one particular type of risk management, which is disability insurance, which、mm-hmm. uh, in your lingo and in your industry called DI. What exactly is DI? Like, what does it cover? Why do I even need it? So, disability insurance is a monthly benefit till the age of sixty-five.、Uh, so, essentially, what it's saying is that if you are not able to do the job that you were doing before you got disabled, maybe. You got into a car accident, you fell down、uh, in a nice、uh, snowy winter, or for whatever many other reasons that may exist. But if you're not able to go to work for a prolonged period of time, usually more than thirty days at a minimum, it's going to drastically affect future.、Um, 
most Canadians, um, you know, a stat I read recently, are now spending roughly $200 of every $100 they're earning. Um, so what's going to happen if that $100 that you're earning also drops to zero and you're still spending the money that you were spending before? Um, not saying that, you know, your clients uh, are, you know, spending $200 of their $100, but it's still a pretty uh, major stat that, you know, this is how spending is being done. This is probably the cause of inflation, <laughs> maybe. But uh, we do have to understand that if your income stops coming in, how is that going to drastically uh, impact your future uh, on a month-to-month basis? That's w- what's going to happen if you don't go to work for three months or six months or a year or two years or three years. Uh, so that's where disability insurance comes in. So for as long as you're not able to go to work and perform at the same level that you were working before and you've seen a drastic drop in your pay, the disability benefit will cover you for that entire period of time for to a maximum till the age of 65 which is essentially when most Canadians or when you are looking to retire anyways uh, so it is a major risk tool and I think a key component to every single person's um, if you want to take your financial future seriously so I want to unpack that a little bit because you mentioned a few a few things uh, one is maximum of age of 65. Now, I've heard from through the grapevine, so maybe I misunderstood, that some people are able to purchase DI past the age of 65. And, you know, physicians typically don't want to retire at age 65, uh, either because they want to continue working, they enjoy their work, or because they want to be away from their spouses. Uh, that's typically <laughs> typically the answer I get. You know, if I stay home, I drive my spouse crazy. So, I go to work and pass the age of 65. So is there any opportunity to get DI uh, at 65? But the more important question is, is there even is it even necessary to get it past the age of 65 if I decide to, to work past 65? Um, yeah, I mean, our oldest client, uh, she's 74, still practicing, still putting in 30, 40 hours a week just because uh, I think like three out of the four <laughs> reasons apply to her. Uh, you know, from what you said. Uh, so yeah, like, so it's definitely possible. She still has disability. Um, they'll just have to underwrite it again at, at the age of 65 to make sure, you know, everything is fine. Uh, but uh, but yeah, that's definitely not a problem. If you're still going to be practicing after the age of 65, you know, you'll still be covered. I think that's okay. Um, and in terms of the um, coverage, do you even need the coverage of past 65? Uh, I think so. And and, and mainly because if you're going to be uh, working um, and you're expecting to, you know, earn that much money because you're probably thinking, okay, well, I'm probably going to uh, work till at least 70. Uh, and if that happens, uh, not having that financial stress when something does happen to you at that late age and knowing that whenever you're ready to go back to work, you'll be fine and you don't actually have to, um, you know, try to get back to work because maybe you designed your life in a way where I'm going to do a b and c and for that i'll just work part-time or something regardless of whatever it is i think you want to keep the coverage till you fully retire because you never know what's actually going to happen and if something does happen uh, you'll still get that benefit on a month-to-month basis uh, so 65 to 265 is i think a no-brainer <laughs> uh, after 65 it's probably debatable uh, but i'll still fall in the line that if you're still going to be working till 775 uh, you definitely pro- probably want to keep that coverage, which is what many of our clients actually have done. So, yeah, I mean, just to 
shed some uh, color to that story. Uh, one of my colleagues, she was um, maybe 63, 64, and she's about to, to retire. And for some reason, they, divided, they decided to buy a $2 million condo. <laughs> mm. at age at age 64 and yeah. so so she needed to continue to work <laughs> oh and yeah and so because yeah. she needed to continue to work and had something happen to her how is she going to pay for that two million dollar condo so that's that's one one color i wanted to share with with this what you just said there um the other thing is you mentioned disability so uh what is considered disability of course if i break my leg of course if i uh, i uh, I, I have a heart attack and I can't work. But nowadays, a lot of people are talking about mental health and mental illness. So if I burn out, if I have a major massive, you know, uh, anxiety uh, illness, or I'm now depressed and I can't work, is that considered a disability in the newer definition? Yeah, like mental health is definitely taking a, a big part in the um, you know, conversations now. You know, in terms of like how that would be work, because you're right, like most people would think like an, as a physical disability, yeah, obviously that makes sense. You can picture that. Uh, but there's many, many other reasons why people might be able to go on disability now. Uh, so one of those is what they call, you know, like a residual disability um, benefits or what, what that means is that if you essentially experience a loss of pay, you know, and it doesn't really have to be because of physical disability, it can also be mental. And if you see that your, um, your wage has decreased by at least 20 to 30%, depending on what your contract looks like, uh, you would still be able to get uh, partial benefits to your disability coverage. Um, and that might be because you're burning out, like you said. So I, I, I can't work as much. I can't put in those, you know, five, six, seven days work weeks anymore. And I like to do a bit less. Um, and as if that drop because of that burnout uh, or the mental health has, uh, has come into play because of X amount of reasons, you'll still get your disability coverage. No, you don't have to be only physically disabled. So the next question I have is, why do people need it? Or uh, maybe I'm going to ask it, why do people want it? People should want it. And I'm, and I'm kind of really surprised when people don't want it. No amount of rate of return that we can get for you that will beat your loss of income. Zero, right? So uh, we can be the greatest uh, investors, even ourselves. And we're going to buy this real estate property and we're going to invest in that stock market and buy this ETF and... Uh, you know, do all of these things, but no investment will beat the rate of return of your income. You we're relying on your 30, 40, 50, 60K a month uh, to sustain your lifestyle and save for your future and save for your children's education and save for any travel vacation plans you have. And, you know, so all of these things. So nothing can beat your income. So if nothing can beat my income, then I should probably do something to make sure that if something happens to me, which it probably will, then at least my income is secure till the age of 65. And that usually, you know, people get, <laughs> but sometimes they don't. And they're like, well, no, what? it's so expensive. Like, you know, that's the question. That's the, that's the, you know, remarks you get sometimes. Well, yeah, because if something happens to you, which it, most likely will, 
you're going to be covered till the age of 65. And there's also really interesting ways we can even structure it now these days, uh, you know, to make that a bit more uh, appealing with some writers and options that I'm sure you're going to ask. But uh, that's one of the major ones. Like, well, why is, why is this so much more expensive than my life insurance? Well, these are all probabilities. There's a much lower probability of you passing away than getting injured. Um, so that's why, you know, the premiums for the life insurance are quite are, are, are quite cheap comparatively to the disability coverage. This is why you should want it. I want to make sure that regardless of what happens to me or it's usually not your fault <laughs> uh, if you get into a car accident, you know, like it's maybe the other person. You, you could be the safest driver. But if someone else hits you, you're still in an accident. Uh, so you don't know all of these variables. We want to put a, uh, you know, like a stop to making sure that I don't have to think about that anymore if I get into an accident or mental health or burnout or anxiety or, you know, any of these things. Uh, my income will still be covered. It's, it's absolutely crucial to uh, your financial future. I, I could not agree more. I'm going to share a few stories with you um, <clears throat> just to highlight the important I have a, a colleague who was riding his bicycle in downtown Toronto. By the way, if you are one of those people who ride your bicycle in downtown Toronto, you're either going to fall off, you're going to get hit, or something's going to happen to you. Toronto is mm -hmm. not a biking city. Montreal was when I was in Montreal, but not in Toronto. And anyways, and, and that's because of there's so much traffic in those streetcar tracks. So coming back to those streetcar tracks, he got his front tire. Uh, trapped into that streetcar uh, track and he fell off. It literally just fell off. That's it, right? Yeah. But he fell he fell right onto his hip. Um and then he broke his hip. And wow. uh and he needed hip surgery. Uh did not fuse well. Had to go back the second time. At uh during the second hip surgery, he lost so much blood, he almost died, ended up in the ICU. And then after that, could not work for six months. And when he came back to work, he couldn't work as fast or as efficient as he was before. And that is really troublesome if you're an eMERGE doc and you have to run on your feet. So he took a huge, huge financial hit uh, and had to totally raid his savings. And luckily, he had a disability insurance, right, which should sustain him until he get back on his feet and come back to a hundred percent. And to be honest, I don't think he's ever come back to a hundred percent. And uh, the second story is it's really simple. Another colleague of mine went to Whistler, skied, twisted her knee and uh, had surgery and it took her a year to recover. And so yeah. imagine if you can't work for a year, and not have disability insurance, I, I I guarantee you she would have had to raid her entire savings as well just to survive. Mm -hmm. And the com the last comment that I have is you talk about investment. You know, we invest in ETF, we invest in stocks, we invest in bonds, and we invest in a whole bunch of stuff and, and real estate, but we never invest in ourselves. We don't see that as an investment. What do I mean? I mean, this is really is to protect our future self, right? Because if I use that money, if I become disabled and I use my my reserves, my savings to sustain my current style of living and my standard, then there's no money for my future self 30 years from now. So really I'm protecting myself and investing in myself. 
this is a question that uh, a previous uh, call, not a colleague, uh, maybe a CFP. Well, it's a colleague, is a friend, told me this, and uh, and I don't know if it was you. Maybe it was even you, Saad. Mm. So let, let me, you put some wisdom in my head, possibly. Mm -hmm. So here's a story. He said, "Vu, if you have a a printer, and this printer prints a million dollars, and you have it in your home, and every year it prints a million dollars, and you put it in your home, and you got this in your home." What would you do with it? I'm like, well, I'd put it somewhere safe. Yes. Okay. Would you insure it? You know, people insure their paintings. They insure their rings. Uh, some people even mm -hmm. insure their TV. I don't know why. But, you know, if you have a printer that prints a million dollars, would you insure it? I'm like, yeah, of course I would insure it. Because if something happened to it, I want that money back. Right. Mm -hmm. So he says, well, Vu, um, what do you think you are? Right. As a physician. What, how much do you make per year? It could be 300, it could be 500, it could be seven, it could be a million, whatever it is, right? But you're the you're the printing machine because yeah. if you, you don't go to work, there's no money coming in, mm -hmm. right? Doctors don't don't make digits, uh, widgets. They don't make Teslas, right? I'm, I'm, not, I'm not a manufacturing plant. Yeah. I only make money when I go to work. So mm -hmm. really, I only make money when I actually do the work. So I only print money when I'm actually there caring for patients. So I'm the actual printer. And he said, yeah. and he said that and I'm like, yeah, you're right. So if you are going to insure a printing machine that you have at home, why wouldn't you insure your own printing machine, which is yourself? Yeah. And if you don't do that, then you're just not doing the right thing. And uh, that analogy really hit home for me. Yeah, no, 100%. Like there's, there's absolutely nothing you can show us where we can invest your money that you would have, um, you know, not paid to the premiums instead and come out ahead. It's just not possible <laughs> because not only do you have to make up for the, um, the money that you can take instead and invest it, then you also have to make up for the entire amount of income you just <laughs> lost. When you look at the numbers specifically, it's a, it's a no brainer. Like it's just something that just makes financial sense. However, um, we are not the most rational human beings <laughs> and, and we'd like to make some emotional decisions. Uh, and this, this might be uh, one of them. Uh, for the most part, at least the people I come across do realize why they want it. And, it, you know, it's, if you take your financial future seriously, it, 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 is, it is something you'd need. Sometimes you obviously do come across people who are a bit more hesitant. I don't think we're going to get them all, <laughs> you know? No, uh, no. But I think it's important people understand the numbers because I hear this a lot. Oh, it's very expensive. And and I agree. It's, it's, it is expensive, but it's valuable, right? Um, it's also comparative. It's only expensive because you make this much money. <laughs> you want, you want to insure you for 500 bucks a month? No problem. No problem. It's not, it's not expensive. Super cheap. <laughs> you know, but, so, Imagine you're saying the premiums for this is so expensive because it's only comparative to your income. If you can't even afford this right now because you know because you're already making that much income, imagine how, what you can actually afford when you have zero income, right? Then everything is expensive. McDonald's is expensive. Walmart is expensive. Gas is expensive. But right now, those are a lot of the things that you don't even think about. It's just mind-boggling to me, and I'm like, well, I'll tell you why they say it's expensive. Uh, this is this has been my experience when I talk to my colleagues. So let's just put some numbers, okay, just in perspective. So if I'm, uh, let's say, I don't know, 
an internal medicine doctor, right? Mm-hmm. And I make half a million a year, right? That's the average. That's that's what how much I make. So mm-hmm. to cover, we'll we'll discuss how is how is the DI monthly calculated, but typically it's up to sixty percent of your salary, right? Yep. So uh, five hundred thousand divided by twelve, we're talking about four hundred forty something, right? Forty yeah. something a month, and sixty percent of forty something is twenty four grand. Twenty five, yeah, right. Twenty four, twenty five grand. That's yeah. how much you should buy to cover sixty percent. Now, nothing says we have to cover all the way up to sixty percent, right? It could be mm-hmm. thirty, could be forty, whatever. So yeah. my experience is that for that type of coverage, uh, typically we're talking about fifteen thousand a year. Yeah, uh, maybe a bit more, but yeah, maybe around. Okay, so let's just yeah. say twenty thousand a year. Yeah. Okay, so I'm going to say 20000 a year. If that internal medicine doctor suffers a heart attack and cannot go back to work or suffers a stroke and cannot mm-hmm. go back to work and needs time to recover, and let's just say it takes one year, not two, one year yeah, recover, assuming that doctor still has the main mental cap- capability. It took a year off, which means they lost five hundred grand. Yeah. But they only paid twenty for it, mm-hmm. right? And so what are they going to get back? They're going to get back 24,000, right? We said 24,000 yep. times 12. How much is 24,000 times 12? Again, my math is not that great. Uh, so we're talking almost 300. So that doctor would have paid 20 grand a year. And had that doctor been disabled for one year, just one year alone, he would have had 300,000 back in his pocket. Yeah, And that's assuming it only took one year. What if mm-hmm. that doctor become disabled and no longer can speak or no longer can move, and he's now disabled until sixty-five. That potentially millions of dollars. Yeah. And and once you once you have that disability, they start paying you. You stop paying. There's no more premiums. Yeah. Right. So that's in numbers. And ex- in my experience, here's another reason why they say it's expensive, is because most of us don't pay ourselves first. Here's what we do. We have a $100 coming in every month. We put $30 towards the mortgage. We put $20 put towards the BMW, right? Mm. We put $10 towards food. Uh, and then we put another $5 towards, you know, Netflix, Paramount Plus. By the way, I just got Paramount Plus. It's amazing, you know? <laughs> and then and then you pay for Disney Plus because you have children. And then, you know, so your $100 very quickly goes to other people, right? Mm-hmm. You paid Netflix, you paid Paramount. You paid, you know, National Bank, TD Bank for the mortgage, and you paid BMW Canada, mm-hmm. and then and then you have a dollar left, and you say, "Well, vu, it's too expensive. I only have a dollar left, <laughs> right?" Yep, too exactly. expensive. But they don't realize <clears throat> they already paid the BMW, <laughs> right? Yeah. And and that's that's the problem is that we don't pay ourselves first, so we we think that whatever is left at the end, I only have a dollar, but your disability insurance cost me two dollars. It's too expensive. I cannot afford it. Whereas that's not how we're supposed to think. What we're supposed to think is, okay, I have $100 coming in. I should put $10 towards my TFSA. I should put another $5 towards my pension. I should put another $2 towards my disability, another dollar towards my critical illness, another $2 towards my LI. And then, of course, I have to pay the mortgage. So here's the $30. And if I have money at the end, I'll get a BMW. But if I don't have a BMW and I don't have enough money for that BMW, you know what? I'll get a good Toyota. Okay. Yeah. Right. And that's yeah. how that's how we're supposed to think, but we don't do that. So a lot of the times you'll hear, I don't have enough money for DI because mm-hmm. it's too expensive. 
Yeah, no, you're exactly right. Like, uh, and I was literally just talking about this yesterday with my, <laughs> with one of my family members. You know, pay yourself first because uh, I gave him the the idea of who has more money: the guy who earns a million dollars and spends a million dollars, or the guy who earns a hundred thousand dollars and saves twenty thousand dollars. Who's better off? The guy who earns a hundred thousand and saves twenty thousand, because ten years later, twenty years later, thirty years later. The guy who saved that twenty thousand a year is going to have a lot more money and a much bigger net worth than the person who actually earns a million, spends a million, and that just comes from paying yourself first, knowing that I don't actually make say half a million. I only make say three hundred and fifty thousand, right? Because the first hundred and fifty thousand is going to top up all of your accounts and saving all the money and saving you know for your kids and your future and you know getting all your insurances in place uh so you're living off 350 you want to live off 500 well i guess you have to figure out a way to make a bit more money and uh start making 600 650 and then you can kind of increase your lifestyle if that's what you'd like to do but you're always paying yourself first and making sure you have the proper coverages in places and what i found is it just lowers my financial stress and my financial anxiety uh, I actually, you know, get zero financial stress or anxiety regarding my future because I'm like, okay, well, as long as you keep waking up and doing what you love to do, like waking up at, you know, super early on a Monday morning before you <laughs> I'm up. sorry, I didn't mean to wake you up at you know? <laughs> early in the morning to do a podcast. Do a podcast, you know, but I, I, I'm up anyway. So like, you know, it, it's fine for me, but that's what I mean. It's because I love doing what I'm doing. Uh, so this not work for me, right? But if something were to happen and I can't go to work and I can't be out here in the morning, uh, you know, uh, super nice and early, I'll still be okay because, you know, all the coverages are in place and, uh, you know, so it just, I, I think it just helps you with that financial stress. So I can actually focus on what it is I'm doing and, and, and thoroughly enjoy it, which is what I'm sure that many physicians do. They, they enjoy their work uh, rather than, man, I have to see this patient because if I don't, then I have to make this much money and I'm going to build this over here. And, and, you know, oh, hey, did something wrong over there with my billing and, you know, now I have to fix that. You know, that's all coming from stress, knowing that I got a big mortgage to pay. I got a big bills and the car bill still has to be paid and all of these things have to be paid. But if you just paid yourself first, you know, then you wouldn't actually feel all of this. And and um, yeah, so now now we're, you know, essentially getting into like the psychology of money and, you know, what it does to us. But it is important. Try paying yourself first and just notice how confident you are in your future, yeah. knowing that you've made some really good decisions about yourself and your family and your kids. Uh, and and that does like, you know, snowball effect three months later, six months later, 10 months later. And all of a sudden, like, oh, yeah, I forgot I have some money saved there. Oh, yeah, I, I oh, yeah, I have, I do have an emergency fund. Oh, I do have, you know, my investments are actually doing pretty uh, great. Um, you know, everything's still the same. The markets are still going to do what they're doing and everything is, you know, like, like you notice how many things you can't control. Uh, but because you've paid yourself first and made that decision, I just think it it's that financial stress goes down to pretty much zero, which is also one of the key indicators divorce in this country so that's right side note. <laughs> that's right now um I, I someone told me this again and I'm, I'm bringing up a lot of old stuff here but you know someone's told me if you have a good financial safety net you don't need to hit home runs anymore right you don't nope. need to be risky you can just hit 
you know, first base and just run to first base and go to second base and go to third base and eventually come back to home plate. But if you don't have a financial safety net, you're always trying to hit that home run. But if you're always trying to hit that home run, you're taking on more risk. And so you're taking more risk than you need to. And so having that financial safety net, paying yourself first is really the psychology of money is important here. Mm -hmm. So let's let's come back to the discussion. We talked that the next question is how much to buy. I'm I'm Vuket Tran. I'm the merch doc. I make X Y Z per month. How much of disability would you say someone should at least minimum cover or purchase? And what is the what is the insurance law say? Anyways, I I mentioned sixty percent is the maximum. Am I correct? Yeah, exactly. So for the most part, uh, it's around sixty to sixty five percent, depending on you know who you're dealing with or how your contract is laid out. Um, but 60% is a really good number. So if you're earning $100,000 a year, the maximum coverage you can get is $60,000 of coverage for the year. And you might be wondering, well, well, that's not fair. Well, they do need to give you some sort of an incentive to go back to work uh, and not just rely on disability till the age of 65. All of a sudden, everybody's financial plan might be, I really hope I get hit by a car today because I'm going to replace my 100% of my income till the age of 65, right? So there do it needs there does need to be an incentive for you to go back to work, which is why uh, by law actually um, the maximum coverage you can get uh, based on your earnings is 60% of your earnings for last year. Okay, so that's the max. Now what happens? Well, how much you should buy is probably uh, something that we probably do as a as an ease in thing. We just said that uh, you know most people's uh, thing about disability is that it's so expensive. Um, well, once you probably go through your first claim, you're probably going to want to buy more. <laughs> you know, uh, so that's again kind of the reality of it. But so how we t- tend to do things at RFL is for the most part we'll at least cover all of your fixed expenses and your and your you know monthly lifestyle so you might be making half a million dollars but you're maybe only living on say twelve thousand dollars a month or fourteen thousand dollars a month or whatever that number is but let's cover that at its minimum right so at least now we know if something happens to you yes the savings will stop and some of the added benefits and the travels and certain things will stop but your mortgage your car payments your grocery bills your utility bills and uh, spending you know uh, whatever uh, for the most part is at least covered so what we do is we'd cover that at a minimum so we at least know with that okay and then we add this option called the future income option which essentially means that in the future if you'd like to cover more you can get more coverage without actually doing any of the medicals once once again, which is actually really good. So we're already using your um, your health today, which might be much better than it is tomorrow. With that option, that means, okay, well, right now I'm covering 12. Over time, my lifestyle might increase or I just would like more coverage. Well, in the future, I can just buy more coverage for my monthly benefit without having to do all that hassle and paperwork and medical and all over again. So that's usually a good way that we found where people get eased into it. And then obviously we, in their annual reviews, we can see, okay, well, do we need to increase this coverage now or keep it the same or whatever the case may be? So Okay, that's a good point. So the option for future increase, uh, mm-hmm. is that a rider or is that a standard? That is a rider, yeah. That's so, a rider. Yeah, so you know, to explain really briefly. Oh, we'll go into that after. Uh, yeah, we'll okay. go into that after, but okay. it's it's not a standard, so you would have to uh, demand it, 
and, and exactly. obviously yeah. a, a rider just means options right so yeah. i buy my toyota it comes basic uh, you want automatic well that's an option you want yeah. electric windows that's an option you want the navigator that's an option so mm -hmm. all these are options uh yep. and so riders just means options so i'm going to buy a bare bone uh disability insurance and if you want the option for future increase well that's an option obviously you picked an option you're going to pay a little bit more but it's much worth it so yep. um so for future options i i just need to prove income but i don't have to prove health again right mm -hmm. and and you mentioned something Obviously, I want to do it when I'm still healthy, right? Mm -hmm. uh, so I should buy it when I'm starting my career and I'm fairly young, 30 years old, 32 years old. I don't want to do this when I'm 50, when I already have hypertension and diabetes, mm -hmm. right? So uh, you want to do this early in your career. If I, let's say I purchase 50% uh, of my income, okay? Mm -hmm. And uh, in the next few years, you know what? I decide not to work as much anymore. I'm taking early retirement or, you know what, I'm now living a Zen life. I, instead of driving my BMW, I'm driving a Kia and I've, so I've reduced my standard of living and I don't want to work as much and my income decreases. Do I still have to pay the same amount? Can I reduce as opposed to increase my coverage? Is there a possibility to reduce because I need less now? Oh yeah, no, for sure. And, and, and that's probably, I wouldn't say it's the law, <laughs> but uh, it, it's probably, uh, a, a good thing to do anyways well number one you're you don't want to pay for extra coverage that you're not going to get approved for uh, because before coming to claim they they will verify you know your income one more time it's a it's a pretty easy check that one uh but if you if you don't need as much yeah we can definitely decrease it that's the thing about these insurance contracts they can't change anything you can change everything <laughs> right so which is kind of very interesting how insurance contracts are written in canada because once the insurance carrier gives you that contract that contract is now binding however if something changes on your end you can change that contract at any time to fit your situation <laughs> you know and that's where a lot of these options and writers come in so uh, so yeah exactly what you said you can increase the coverage and and, and decrease the coverage very good. So you mentioned rider again. So let's jump into that. It's a good segue. Uh, one of the riders or one of the options is to mm -hmm. add on this option, automatic option for future increase. Yep. What, what other riders are important for professionals to have within a DI? Obviously, I can add all the options I want and make this policy extremely expensive. But, yeah. but I don't want to do that. There are some things that I don't need, but there are some things that is really crucial for a professional. What are those? What do you recommend? Yeah, so every contract uh, for physicians or professionals, same thing, without even thinking about it, we put the own occupation uh, rider on there. So essentially, if you don't have this rider, the, okay, well, as a, as a doctor, you were earning half a million, um, but can you still get a job somewhere that you can still earn a living in? Oh, you can, great, no problem. That means you're not disabled. And, and we don't have to pay you as much. Um, well, we don't want that because, you know, professions, uh, you know, if you're, if you're a highly trained lawyer, if you're, if you're a physician, if you're a financial planner, <laughs> you know, so if you're a trained professional, um, you do want to make sure that the level of income that you're used to is still there. And that's kind of the thing. So I'm not saying, you know, other jobs are not as great. I'm just thinking from like a strictly like a monetary perspective. You get X amount of dollars over here and you get uh, X minus 
a whole bunch, you know, over here. Uh, so we want to make sure that our, our our income is covered on on the level that we were used to. So own occupation option is the perfect place for that, which essentially says that if you're not able to do exactly the job that you were doing before you got injured, we'll still pay you out the entire amount of money that you were owed, which is amazing because what that means is, you know, like I said, I'll play like our side, the consumer side uh, and not the insurance company side, which is I'm working as a physician. All of a sudden I can't work. Uh, as a physician doing exactly what I was doing, you know, like you said, like an emergency doc hand run around as fast and, you know, a huge loss of income. Well, they're going to pay you out, you know, that your benefit on a monthly basis, that's amazing. And on top of that, because you are not able to now do the exact job that you're doing before, you can actually get another job in another field and still get paid from there. And you'll still get your disability benefit, which is why this one option for professionals, you know, for physicians, this is something, you know, it's, you can't buy a contract with us without that option. Right. Um, own occupation. Yeah. It has to be your own occupation. I'll give you another example. Uh, so for example, this really hits home for those people who are very, uh, their, their job is very skill uh, dependent. So for example, mm -hmm. surgeons, right? So if I'm an ophthalmologist or I'm an ENT surgeon, and I rely a lot of my work on the skill, the technical skill of the work, not just the mental knowledge, but the technical skill. So I'm a, I'm an ENT surgeon and all of a sudden, you know, I went on a skiing trip and I don't know, I hit my hand on the, on the tree and now, Oh, Dr. Strange, right? Dr. <laughs> who, Strange, yep. Right. Who no longer can use his hands. Right. Uh, I mean, he's still a doctor. He can still think, but he no longer can use his hands to operate. And you can yeah. understand as a surgeon operating on very small things, the eye or the ear or whatever takes a lot of technical skills. So they can't do that anymore. If the ENT surgeon had own occupation, even though he's an ENT surgeon and still see patients in clinic and use his brain, but he can no longer operate the disability will kick in because he's supposed to do, go back to doing whatever he was doing. So in essence, if if the doctor had own occupation, the ENT surgeon can still continue being a doctor, seeing patients in clinic, but still get the, 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 the disability uh, payment because he no longer can operate. Now, if this ENT surgeon did not get that option, well, the company will say, well, you know what, doctor, you're, you're an ENT surgeon. Uh, you're still seeing patients in the clinic. I know you can't operate and your salary just dropped by 50%, but you know what? You don't have own occupation. Too bad mm -hmm. for you. So yep. that's why it's important to have this rider. Exactly. Yeah. Like that's, I can't say anything more to that. That's literally it. Doctor Strange, right? Great movie. Yeah. <laughs> the first one. Great the movie. first one. First one was amazing. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, what other rider should we think about? Uh, well, this cost of living. So, you know, if you're getting paid, your benefit is 10000 a month, for example. Um, we know that $10,000 today per month is not the same as $10,000 two years from now, five years from now. Um, so although you're getting your contract, you know, for $10,000 a month, you do want that premium or that benefit to be adjusted to the cost of living. So that's a pretty good one as well. And many people, you know, in high inflation environments like today, people actually understand that in low inflation environments, people don't. Uh, but that's still, uh, I think, kind of like a no brainer. Things are going to get expensive over time. So we do want to make sure that our benefit also keeps up with time. Uh, so that's a pretty big one. Future income. 
then there's also you know a couple um fun ones like return of premium oh i love that one so return of premium is a pretty fun one which means which and people don't people do get it like people like you know it does make sense to them uh the example that we give for return of premium is you drive a car car you have to get car insurance and you can be the greatest driver of all time and but you still have to pay all these premiums over your lifetime which could be thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars uh but worse um if you get into an accident now they're actually going to increase your payment you know for the next like seven years or something uh but uh, many people do understand like how badly you know our our car insurance environment is at least in you know in canada however what if you didn't get into a car accident and because you didn't get into a car accident every seven years uh the insurance premium gave you let's say 50 percent of your money back that's amazing you'd be like oh I like this. <laughs> yeah. You know? So like you said, uh, some some contracts make it very palatable, right? Um, yeah. So if I pay, remember we, we said the the uh, the scenario of 20,000, right? Yep. So 20,000 per year times seven years, that's 140,000. And then after year, after seven years, you haven't claimed, you haven't done anything, you're still healthy. Well, the company gives you back 70,000. Yeah, right. exactly. So it's and then it, all of a sudden it's much more digestible. Right. And so which means that the cost of your disability insurance is not 20,000, it's essentially 10,000. It's it's an incentive for you to stay healthy, really. Exactly. And 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 now you're in a true win-win situation, right? Like so if if something does happen to you, you'd be glad you have it. Uh and if nothing happens to you, well, you'll still get, you know, some of your money back, which makes it like pretty financially digestible. So I think that's a pretty a fun option. Uh, you know, some people do like it, some people don't, but. Yeah, I like it a lot. And especially, and by the way, the seven years that you had it, you were fully covered. It's not like you were covered only half, right? Exactly. Yeah, you still get, you're still going to get the full amount. It's just, uh, you do have that option. Coming back to the, um, to the question, we talked about this this morning. Only one company left is offering this. I know <laughs> yeah. that I know that many companies used to offer it, but now you say in the industry, essentially just one company offers it. So who does offer DI now? You know what? The, what what the ironic thing about this is? So many companies used to offer it. Now only one company offers it. One of the main reasons for that is because so many people go on claim. <laughs> you're, no, you're you're kidding. <laughs> yeah, well, it's you know? it's not as so, profitable yeah. anymore, right? That's what I mean. It's not as profitable for the insurance companies anymore because so many people who actually have the coverage take a claim for some sort of a disability and then that pays out to them for as long as, you know, whatever. And that is the ironic thing. Everybody should be buying it because the insurance companies don't want to sell it anymore. So there's actually only one company left now, which is RBC. They're actually running a monopoly on the Canadian disability insurance uh, program right now. And Last man standing. Pretty much. And, you know, hopefully it stays because if he'd lose disability coverage all of a sudden, I'm pretty sure the numbers will go up all of a sudden. Uh, you know, for Canadian professionals, physicians around the, the country, because they'll not, oh now I can't buy it anymore. Okay, I should probably buy it. Uh, but but yeah, there's only one left, RBC. So hopefully some other people come into the picture. But because now we don't want them to just raise the pre- prices all of a sudden, which they have not done. Uh, right. You know they can, but but they can if they like to. Yeah, because they have monopoly now. Yep. 
Uh, okay. Before we end, I have one last question because I've I've heard about this and I wanna I want you to tell us the mechanics of it. So uh, very much like uh, DI, <laughs> yeah. not many people offer long term care insurance anymore. <laughs> so yeah. like it's it's now I think the only company that offers long term care insurance. By the way, guys, we're gonna have an episode on long term care insurance. Don't worry. Mm -hmm. But um, long term care insurance is only offered by Sun Life. Am I correct? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So some people say, I don't want to buy long-term care insurance. And the reason it's called long-term care insurance is actually it's a misnomer because you don't actually have to go into long-term care. Yeah. So the long-term care insurance is if you lose two out of five domains of your ADL, your activity of daily living, yep. right? Feeding, toileting, uh, hygiene, yeah, bathing, uh, bathing. Yeah. yeah. And now they also include dementia, by the way. Uh, which mm. was never before, but now they include dementia. So if you lose two of these five domains, you qualify to get your payment. Now, remember, we talked about someone who had a stroke or someone who had a heart attack, um, so they no longer can work. And someone can say, can argue, hey, Vu, uh, if, if someone has a stroke and they no longer can bathe, uh, eliminate, or clean themselves or feed themselves because of a stroke. Yes, it's DI, but also they also need someone to care for them because someone needs to be higher PSW or someone needs to hire a nurse or they need to go into a retirement home. Isn't that really long-term care insurance as well? And so that's a great question. And so some people have used DI as a replacement to long-term care insurance. Uh, what are your thoughts about that? And is it is it doable? Can it be done? Yeah, no, exactly. You're, you're right. Like, I mean, you experience this when you go to the hospital. Everybody, nobody talks about the fact that everything that just happened to you at the hospital is free. Everybody talks about, I got to pay $20 a, a day for parking, <laughs> you know? Uh, and that's what family members remember. That's what a lot of these people remember. So you're right. So if something does happen to you, uh, it's not just the fact that, oh, you have to go into a long-term care. It's also the fact that, you know, people around you get affected and, you know, uh, so you can use some of the monies for that as well. Uh, the unfortunate thing is a lot of the disability contracts in the past used to just be able to be converted into a long-term care contract in the future at the age of 65. Uh, so that option for the most part is not there anymore because RBC doesn't offer long-term care. Uh, so you're just going to get the disability benefit all the way to 65 or whenever you're done working and then, you know, it'll kind of be done. But back in the day, which is not that back in the day, which is only now maybe five years ago, uh, you could actually get a disability contract that at the age of 65 would just convert into a long term care contract on its own. Um, but I mean, we have an aging population. And, you know, it's long term care, all of these coverages were not profitable for these insurance companies so they just actually just stopped uh, giving them out which actually should be uh, a greater belief for you for this industry that uh, even though those companies might not be offering these coverages anymore but just because you have that contract that contract is still available for your life you know so you're still going to have the coverage even though it's not offered in the open market anymore uh, so so yeah to your question um, you know disability and long-term care are very unique uh, things that you can use your your PSW, you know, you have to pay for the PSW. Uh, and I just wanted to say one last thing, you did mention how you get it, which is, you know, two out of the five, you know, daily uh, acts of living, it get affected. 
Uh, and but more importantly, you said you actually don't have to go into a long term care. What they just they just tell you like, hey, if you want to stay home, you'll actually get this benefit, and if you go to a long term care, you'll get this benefit. Uh, so you're still going to get paid out that monthly amount, uh, if uh, even if you don't physically move into a long term care as a, as a long term solution, you can just be home, uh, get everything, and you'll still get your benefit. Uh, so that coverage is is there. It's just unfortunately not offered. Uh, anymore so you do have to buy an individual long-term care contract now yeah i mean the the idea of the long-term care insurance and again it's a misnomer it shouldn't be called long-term care anymore it should yeah. be called uh maybe supportive care at home type of thing because mm -hmm. it, it used to be uh if someone had a stroke uh then the only place possible to go is long-term care and mm -hmm. so long-term care or retirement home costs money especially if you want a private bed blah 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 so you have to pay extra in addition to your regular basic bed if you wanted a private room so yeah. that's what that was for but the payment is a monthly payment so mm -hmm. it could be four thousand five thousand eight thousand whatever it is and nothing says you have to go to long-term care you could use that eight thousand dollars and pay for psw exactly. or you can pay, you, yeah. yeah you can use that eight thousand dollars and pay for you know 24 7 private caregiver at home mm -hmm. right so that's yep. why the the name long-term care insurance is is a misnomer and unfortunately, like you say, they, they no longer offer that as part of the DI. So DI is offered by RBC and long-term care is offered by Sun Life only. And in fact, I don't even know if they're going to offer that very much longer. It's probably not too long because Canadians are living longer than ever, retiring at 65. And if you get into a long-term care, you know, God forbid, let's say at 75, there's a very high chance you're going to be there till like 90, <laughs> you well, know, uh, so... Yeah, I mean, the, the DI only covers you until age 65. But do you imagine, you know, a physician, a high, high income earning physician, a surgeon, you know, making 500, 600, all of a sudden has a stroke, can no longer work. Yeah, the DI, the DI will cover until age 65. But all of a sudden, he's not dead at 65. He's still alive. Yeah. And, and may live till 80 so another 15 years mm -hmm. and trust me if they have a stroke and they go into long-term care or if they don't want to go to long-term care because they're not used to it and to be honest i work in long-term care i don't want to be in long-term care so i want to be at mm -hmm. home um mm -hmm. and so if i want to be at home and i need to hire psw or private caregiver that will drain your funds really really fast very fast very fast yeah. so so it's important to think about long-term care insurance so we're going to have an episode on that don't worry guys we're going to dive into that more in detail anything else that uh, you wanted to add that we didn't talk about Saad uh, I think we've kind of exhausted uh, all the all the questions unless you think there's something that must be said before we leave each other no I mean I think we've covered the, the money the premiums the benefit the options yeah no I think that's a pretty informative pretty informative episode yeah I I just want to finish this episode by saying you know I have a lot of it's like it's like life insurance right a lot of people you know there's this school two schools of thought right by term and invested difference mm -hmm. uh and versus you know whole life yeah you know there's that's the dichotomy and then there's the other dichotomy in di right and and that is well you can self-insure <laughs> don't buy di because you can yeah. self-insure and and i find that to be a less effective or less efficient um 
uh, strategy because you can always self-insure. I mean, of course, mm-hmm. if you make enough money or you saved enough money, let's say you have uh, 500,000 in your bank account and then say, oh, mm-hmm. I don't need the eye. If I ever become sick, you know, I'll use the 500,000. Fair enough. Good point. But if you get disability, uh, you you have a disability and you live for another 30 years, trust me, that 500,000 is not enough for the next 30 years. But mm-hmm. also, nothing says that you won't have another disability on top of your current disability. And so that 500,000 or whatever it is will disappear almost overnight. But not only that, what about your financial future? Yeah. Like you're not dead, you're disabled, but you're not dead. So uh, what's going to happen 20, 30 years from now when you're disabled, you can't work, but you're still not dead. And so by by doing what we call self-insurance, uh, you're really taking away from your future self. And I I, I want people to, to understand that right? because it's, yeah. it's important that you're destroying your financial future just because you feel you don't want to pay that 12,000 or 20,000 or whatever it is. Yeah. I, I, I think this is just where people, um, you know, whenever I'm in a situation, uh, I, this is where people don't understand how money works. Right. Uh, and you know, you can get, even look at something like Apple, right. I, Apple has probably like, I don't know, like, like a trillion dollars sitting in a bank account somewhere right now. Right. Yeah. I know it's not a, it's not a trillion, but I know it's a lot of money they have sitting in a bank account right now. So why does Apple borrow so much money when they have that much money available to them in their bank account? Well, they understand that it took them a lot of you know time and effort to earn this much money. So why would they use their own money when they want to go do you know try out new ventures and new products and you know things like that? They go and borrow money instead, use somebody else's money, pay them a little bit of fee, but they know if they pay. 5%, 6%, 7%, whatever it is on this money to the bank to borrow their money. And if this idea works, they're probably going to now make 100% rate of return on that actual money. Very similar to maybe what you're seeing right now in the self-insurance thing. I have a half a million dollars sitting there in cash. Do I really want to use my own money? Or do I want to use somebody else's money if something actually happens to me? That way, my half a million is still safe. I had to pay a small little bit of fee, but I got a massive return like, you know, on the, on the back end. Like I said, this now just becomes a you don't understand how money works rather than I want to self-insure and it's an insurance uh, conversation now. It's not. It is now we need to sit down and tell, okay, this is how the greatest companies in our world manage their money. So there's a lot for us to learn from from what, what it is they do. Yeah. And let's, let's, yeah. let's emulate the best, not the yeah. worst. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. You know, just follow them and you'll be okay. You know, you'll be fine. Listen, uh, thank you very much, Saad, for waking up this early, uh, giving me your time, uh, your expertise and your wisdom. And so thank you very much for being on the show with us today. Thank you for having me here, Boo. I appreciate it. Thank you, guys. Have a great day. I hope you guys enjoyed the show with this podcast with Saad Nadim, who always delivers and provide great insight. We're going to end the show here today, and I would be remorse if I didn't talk about our conference. So the Code Green Financial Literacy Conference for Physicians and Dentists happening February 2nd. So literally in about a week in North York at the Novotel Hotel, which is straight in front of North York 
subway uh, station. It starts at 8 a.m., but we start registration at 7, and it ends at 5, but we do have a wine and cheese between 5 and 7. The conference is a full-day conference looking at all things financial for physicians and dentists, and we're going to be talking about numerous topics, and Saad will be there as well. And so lots of opportunities to chat, to network, and to ask questions. If you want to register, there's still spots left. Go to www.codegreenfinancial.com. Thank you very much for listening. And if you have any questions, any feedback or comments, please email me at hmfhd2020 at gmail.com. Please share with your friends, your buddies, your tet, your pet turtle, if you've enjoyed these episodes and the podcast. Hoping to hear you guys and be with you guys next time. Thank you. How is my financial health doc podcast is hosted by Dr. Vukit Tran. Dr. Tran is a physician with a special interest in personal financial security and wealth education. Dr. Tran does not render or offer to render personalized investment or tax advice through this financial podcast. The information provided is for informational purposes only and does not constitute financial, tax, investment, or legal advice. Please confer with your advisor, lawyer, or accountant for specific advice. 